taking of Ocus, boardroom coups, and what went wrong with the $2 billion merger. Hi, my name is John Brett. I've decided to do a series of podcasts detailing the extraordinary rise of Ocus, the very successful acquisitions, the boardroom coup, and what went wrong with one of the largest mergers in Australian corporate history. I've had the pleasure of working with some of the most competent people I know, and some not very competent people. This podcast will detail the innermost workings of the board of one of Australia's largest telecommunication companies, and the people involved. It will detail a cover-up and some bullying in a time when directors condone such behaviour as being enthusiastic. In Vocus's meteoric rise, we will discuss the acquisitions, and there were many from small ones to a billion dollar takeover. The extraordinary lengths that a large public company went to try and stop that takeover. A multi-billion dollar merger and the lengths that that public company used to hide its poor performance before being merged with Vocus. Let's start at the beginning. For almost the first two decades of the century, I was an executive director of Investec Wentworth Private Equity owned by Investec Bank Australia. The private equity team had raised 500 million across three funds. The directors were John Murphy, Greg Robertson and me, with some superb executives, John Russell, Ben Giz, Dan Abeshaus and Jason Sandler. In early 2010, I was sitting in my office when I had a call from James Spensley. James had started a small telco called Vocus, and wanted to list this on the ASX. James was looking for a shell company to use for this purpose. John Russell and I arranged to meet with James and Mark DeCock, Vocus's head of corporate strategy at the Investec offices. It just so happened that IWPE managed a very clean investment company, First Opportunity Fund Limited. First Opportunity Fund was started by me and Alan Chonovitz and was originally listed on the ASX as First Wine Fund Limited. Its objective was to own wineries. When I joined Investec, Investec's chair at that time suggested I bring First Wine Fund to Investec and continue to manage it from there. In order to enable it to seek investments outside of the wine industry, we changed its name to First Opportunity Fund. When James came to visit us, First Opportunity Fund owned a share in five wineries, had no debt, no liabilities, and $5 million in cash. Initial discussions with James and Mark went well, and we were very excited about the deal. James seemed boisterous and somewhat cocky, but it created a very lucrative, albeit small, telco company. James used a whiteboard to illustrate his vision for Vocus, where Vocus was now and where he intended to take this business. James struck me as a man of vision, one of the key ingredients needed for any successful entrepreneur. At that time, Focus had a single asset, an indefeasible right to use a portion of the Southern Cross cable connecting Australia, New Zealand, Hawaii and the USA. Focus sold bandwidth on the cable to internet service providers and other large corporate customers, so these customers could connect their internet from Australia and New Zealand to the USA and vice versa. The parameters of the deal. The deal between Focus and First Opportunity Fund would go as such. 
First Opportunity Fund would sell its wineries and distribute some of the cash received from these sales to its investors. It would buy Bocus by issuing its script to the Bocus shareholders. Change its name to Bocus. Investec would invest another $5 million into the new Bocus. In addition, private equity would put two seasoned hard corporate finance executives on the board, being John Murphy and me. Vocus would have an investment bank such as Investec Wentworth, private equity on its share register. But James valued Vocus at $40 million at that time. As with any transaction of this nature, we had to have the company independently valued and a fair and reasonable report issued. The report concluded that Vocus was only worth $25 million. John Russell and I went to discuss this with James and Mark in the North Sydney Vocus offices. James and Mark were not happy. In response, I said to James, it's not how you start this journey. How much your shares are worth today is irrelevant. Don't worry about how much you can get today. It's really what they'll be worth at the end of the day. Mark played bad cop and said, we're not doing it. We're not taking this. Get out. John Russell and I said, look, we don't expect you to accept this. We don't expect you to even like it. But this is what we have to communicate to you. These are the parameters and we have to abide by the independent report issued as it will go to our shareholders. James and Mark unceremoniously left the meeting and told us where to go and that he was very disappointed and didn't want anything to do with us and we had wasted their time. John Russell and I went to a pub across the road and had a few drinks to commiserate. Apparently James and Mark were in another pub doing the same. That weekend James called me. You know, I've been thinking about it, and maybe we should actually discuss this. So the discussion continued, and the decision to proceed was made. Just two years after it was officially incorporated, on 8th of July 2010, Focus Group Limited by the First Opportunity Fund, reverse listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, with a market cap of $25 million, which at its peak would be worth over $5 billion dollars to be continued.